Bibles and turn with me to Matthew 7, James 1, and Colossians 3. Back on it. Probably these words, as Jesus spoke them, would probably be for me, as I understand what he was saying, the most important words that you could hear today. Because if you don't have this right, I don't care what you do and how spiritual you think you get and how much you quit and and how great you look and how much money you make, when you die, you're going to hell. You got to get this right. And, And Lord Jesus, I don't want anybody, even though, let me admit, I do not know if any of you in here are saved or lost. I don't have that power. I can't look into your heart and see if it's new or stony, but you can. You can reveal and look and be told, you know, we are so judgmental because we're going to look at somebody when they're at their worst and say, bless God, they don't know Jesus and when they possibly could. And then we're going to look at those who at their very best and, and, and preach and teach and cast out demons. That's what Jesus said. And he said, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. Go, oh, good Lord. It's pretty obvious you're not smart enough to know. I'm not, now you say, well, what about John says that we ought to look at their fruit? Well, you know what? I understand that. But again, I'm looking at the fruit, listen to this, that Jesus depicts of these people that he's speaking of in Matthew 7. If I was going on my wisdom and insight, only on their fruit, what would would we say? Look at verse 21, Matthew 7. Not all people who sound religious, that is, they look like they're religious, are really godly. They They may refer to me as Lord but they still won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven or not. Now, look, I I hope it's, I wish that, I like that thunder. Some say he's speaking to somebody. That'd be good. I, I like to, I like the fact that all of you in my head would grow up and be a preacher. I, I don't wish it on you, but it would be so cool. My little grandkids were in my office this morning, my two boys, and I said, boys, you know, you, you told me you got saved. Let's talk about it. So we got down to the heart of the matter, and, and it got <laughs> Let me tell you how kids think. I said, boys, you got to go through the door of salvation. Papa, now how am I going to do that? I said, what you talking about? So I went over, and he, he said, come here, let me show you. He said, now, shut the door. I said, okay. He said, now, if I go through the door of salvation, I'm going to get hurt. Now, how am I going to do that? I would have never thought a kid would have brought it that way. I don't think about that, do you? I didn't think about that you had. He's thinking of a physical door. But John 10, 9 says that Jesus says, I am the what? The door. I said, y'all got to understand that Jesus is the door. He said, how am I going to go through Jesus? I said, if you don't go through Jesus, you ain't going to make it. 
Now, I don't know what you've been taught. Don't know what denomination you come from. And I don't care. But I'll tell you this. If anybody's told you that there's any other way to get to heaven other than Jesus, they lied to you. You say, well, there's other people say that you're narrow-minded. And, 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 and no, I'm not narrow-minded. Jesus is. I'm just a paper boy. We're just the seed scatterers. Don't get, don't turn on us. We're just trying to deliver the message right. We're trying to report it the way Jesus said, report it. Jesus said, on the day of judgment, or on judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, we preached in your name, prophesied in your name, we cast out demons. And you're now run into a bunch of them, but I ain't been too successful casting them out. I tried one time. I got this image of the seven sons of Sceva in my head. Y'all ever read that in the Bible? Where they heard that Paul was, a, he was successful in casting out demons in people. Well, these seven sons decided that they were going to cash in on this and make a little extra money on the side. They set out to cast out the demons, and all of a sudden, the Bible says in the house that they were in, the demons turned on the seven sons of Sceva, chased them out of the house, ripped their clothes off, and beat them half to death. I got that image in my head every time I get... Now, I'll preach on demons one day because I want you to know you got power if you're a believer over demons. You don't have to worry about them. You don't have to go around being skittish about Satan. Greater is the power that's within you than the power that's in the world. But the problem is if you're living not in faith but flesh, Satan's going to eat your lunch. Is it okay if I have a good time with this and just preach it as it goes because I, I, I may not get to the points again today. And I, I, did, am I get, are you getting anything out of this blabbering? Because I, I, I want you to understand, if you don't get what I'm saying, and if you'll just give it, because I got another Sunday before Father's Day. And I sure would like to stay on this subject. Well, it's kind of obvious that here we would probably look at somebody and say, well, he preached, he cast out demons, he performed many mighty miracles, but then Jesus blows the cover. Guys, I never knew you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Christians are falling apart around us. You hear what I'm saying? People that you thought were solid were not so solid. They disappoint you. They'll do things you never thought they'd ever do. You wonder why Paul wrote Galatians 6 1? For this very hour, you who are spiritual, You that claim to be born again. You that claim that you know God and that you're walking a godly life. 
but your little stinking fingers out judging people? You who are spiritual. What does he tell us to do? Make an attempt to restore that person. Not drive them away, but to make the attempt to restore. Now, look, sometimes that's uncomfortable because you get yourself tied up with sin. sin. Sometimes you go, whoop, it's easier just to throw a cross on that one and say, in Jesus' name, get out of my way. I'm better than that. You ain't better than nothing. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit and God's grace and mercy, you'd fold like a cheap suit. If Satan come against you with all his demonic forces, not because Jesus is not more powerful, but because you're so darn weak in the flesh right now, and you've got so much flesh involvement going in your life. Look at James 1, 26. If you claim to be religious... But don't control your tongue. You're just fooling yourself. Your religion is in vain. Worthless. Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God, our Father, means that it means it's better of us than this. We need to care for the orphans. We need to care for the widows. We need to care for people in trouble. Let and refuse to let the world corrupt us. It's one thing for you to, to criticize people that are, look, it's just going gonna, gonna to happen. And I'm going to tell you this. You ain't going to like what I'm fixing to say, but some of you have got to hit the hard road before you can hit the high road and before you can receive and understand the truth that your weakness is what's your downfall. And when your weakness becomes your strength, then you can understand and you can begin to work a little bit. Some of you have had to hit some hard roads. You've let Satan take you into some places you didn't think you'd ever go. But because you went there, and I'm not saying we ought to pray to get to the hard places to learn this lesson, but some of you are hard-headed. You don't learn it any other way. And so you got to learn it the hard way. And let me tell you something. That's not a bad way as long as you learn it. Jesus made it clear in John 3, 3, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hear me, people. When you stand before Jesus, he's looking for a new heart. He's looking for a new birth. He's looking for a heavenly development. You got me? And that won't come on your merit. That won't come in your flesh. That won't come by you just saying, well, I believe in Jesus. Demons believe too. There must be a heart change. We're going to see that in a minute. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, those who become new persons, born again, 
It means they're not the same anymore. For the old life is gone and the new life has begun. Verse 18, and this newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus and what Jesus has already done. You know what you look like before you got saved? You had an old stony heart. The Bible says we had a sinful, evil nature. By the way, that's Adam's nature. Everybody got it when you were born. Actually, Psalms tells us when you were conceived, you were conceived in sin. Why? Because you received the Adamic nature. Want to know why that little kid learns to get its way so young? Because of the Adamic nature. My wife and I, we've had some theological discussions. Mike, do you really believe that that baby knows what it's doing? I said, no, it learns to know what it's doing. You know, I told you not long ago, I think I demonstrated this last time. When, you, when the baby goes to cry, what do you do? You stick a bottle in his mouth, right, or a pacifier. And then you wonder why that we want to put another bottle in our mouth. And you wonder why we put these other pacifiers in our mouth. Because if the pain is loud enough, somebody sticks something in our mouth. Why? Shut us up. We don't learn nothing. We just learn to what? We just learn to take care of that pain. Stop the problem. Now, milk's not bad, and if a kid's crying, he's hungry, he ought to get it, right? How many of y'all use pacifiers for your kids? Don't raise your hand. We did. Heck, I'd stick my foot in his mouth if I knew it'd work. I never forget. One of my pastor friends was preaching a revival, and we were living on uh, Kirkland Road, one of Frank Christian's houses. And Josh just would not turn loose of the pacifier. Wasn't it Josh, Cindy? Yeah. Josh, he just, he just loved it. Well, in the, he still does. In that revival, at least he said he did, we saw him walk over to the trash can. And throw it in the trash can. Man, we had a shout in time. Woo! He'd been healed. Finally give up the pacifier. Unfortunately, the pacifiers get more complicated as we get older, don't they? Paul says it like this. Once you were dead, doomed, this is Ephesians 2, 1 and 3, forever, because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of this air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7? It wasn't because they weren't doing good works that they didn't, it was because they didn't what? They didn't do the will of the Father. Verse 3 says, all of you used to live that way, following the passions and desires of your old, evil, sinful nature. 
That is your old stony heart. I looked at my grandkids and I said, one day when somebody asks you and you grow up, do you know where Jesus touched you? Do you know where you invited Jesus into your heart and life? If you don't know that, how do you know you're saved? Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. If you don't know that when you trusted Christ, where it took, I don't care about the day. I don't even care about the time. But if you can't recall when you opened your heart, did you do it? Now, let me tell you something. I'm not being judgmental at this point. I'm telling you what Jesus is going to do. If you haven't invited him into your heart, if you haven't repented of your sin, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your person, and you can't even recall the day it happened, most likely it did not happen. Do you do know you were born, right? Now, some of you may can't remember the day you were born. Maybe the birth certificates got messed up. But let me tell you something. You have a birth certificate that Jesus issued the day you were born again. I don't know what date you have on it, but you know what? You are, and, and, and really, the date is not what saves you. It's the encounter you had with Christ to respond and obey the will of the Father. That's important. Son, when I was 16 years old, I remember it was on a Sunday night, and I've told you that story. God became real to me. Has he become real to you? I love Romans 6, 5, and 6. Listen to this. We've been united with Jesus in his death. They sang about that, right? We also have been united... When he was raised, when Jesus died on the cross, as believers, we died too. It's the only way you can receive eternal life. You have to die. You can't die the death. He died the death for you. And he positioned you. But you do have to accept it. Now, the death wasn't good enough. Jesus had to be resurrected. And guess what? We, too, were resurrected when Jesus was resurrected when we come to him. It's a divine gift that's been given to you and me. We've been given. We went through the death, and we've given the resurrection. Therefore, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. You know why you can say no? The world says you can't say no. Jesus says you can. The world says you can't beat the system. You can't beat your flesh. Jesus says you can. Why? Because he paid the ultimate price. He died and was resurrection. You come to him, you died. And you were resurrected. 
and given a new heart. I'll tell you what bothers me today. And you've seen it too. You may even be guilty of it. Jesus said, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Now, a lot of us like to jump on that because it does refer to a form of money. But I'm going to take it deeper than that. If your heart is in Jesus and Jesus is in your heart, then why does ball games take first place to Jesus? Why does your business take first place to Jesus? Why does your hobbies take first place? Why does it steal your passion? There's only two things that could be wrong and reasons for it. One, you're a 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. You have a form of godliness, but you're fooling yourself. You're actually denying the power of God. That's the, that could be your problem. You're selfish. You're only worried about yourself. Before I got saved, you know the only thing I worried about? Me. When I got saved, I began to worry about everybody else. Son, things changed inside of me. Why is our hearts so far away from God? Two reasons. One, it's not connected. Or number two, your heart's somewhere else. You say, Mike, can your heart be somewhere else? And you be saved? Yes. But you ain't going to stay content in that. You ain't going to be happy long in that. Say, how do you know? I don't know. Told you once before, we ain't nobody in this room smart enough to determine that. Now, if you're out here making your business your God and ball games your God and all you're excited about is what the world has to offer, I got news for you. When that's over, what are you going to stand and put at the feet of Jesus? Your attendance to ball games, ballet, I could go on and on. You see, that ain't going to amount to nothing. It's just not. A man named H.L. Cox, when he was a young boy, had a lot of doubt, had a lot of, of uh, fear. He didn't have a whole lot of assurance. And it seemed like he went to church and he tried to worship, but he just went through all the forms of worship. And, and Jesus really wasn't any different than Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. It was just a man of the past. I got news for you. Jesus is no more than you than a historical figure. 
You don't know him. You don't know him. But he wrote a song when he finally, Jesus got his heart. And here's what he said. His experience when he came to know Jesus as his Savior, he said, Oh, well, do I, how well do I remember how I doubted day by day. For I did not know for certain that my sins were washed away. When the Spirit tried to tell me I would not the truth receive, I endeavored to be happy and so make myself believe. So I prayed to God in earnest and not caring what folks said. I was hungry for the blessing. My poor soul, it must be fed. Then at last, I touched him. And sparks began to fly like steel. So Just so quick salvation reached me. Oh, bless God. I know it's real. I know it's real. I know it's real now because I have him in my life. And it's real. My wife and I used to date. It was real to a point. But when we got married, it was real. I woke up the next day by a real person. And I realized that this is not plastic. This is not fake. It's real. When she woke up after a, probably a night of me, of snoring, and I haven't quit that, and other foreign sounds, and I ain't quit that either, demonic sounds and smells, as long as I'm living, that me, baby. I have a feeling that the same thing going on in the house today. When you got married, it became real. You see, when you married Jesus, you didn't marry a religion. When you got saved, it's not some form of of something that just is supposed to look religious. It's actually real. You married up to a real person. You married up to a holy person. Divine Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They're real. And demand real attention. Because they want to have a relationship. Colossians 3 says, Since you've been raised to a new life with Jesus Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor in power. How do you know that your salvation is not superficial? How do you know that it's supernatural? Do you know that? I've been saved a long time. I've been preaching 30 plus years. When I sit alone with me and my Jesus, son, I don't wake up with much on my mind but Jesus. When I go to bed, I woke up this morning at 2.45. I prayed for everybody 
to be here that's supposed to be here today. I, I, I know in this congregation, Satan is working in a lot of people's lives, and I sense it, and I feel it. It's called a demonic struggle. I don't know what homes are going through this. I don't know what you're having go on in your life, but I know it, it, that it's a spiritual struggle. I know that. And I know the only way that it's going to get worked out is if you start on ground level. Listen, if you don't know you're saved, you ain't going to work out nothing. Because Satan will keep you confused. If you don't know you're born again, if you don't know that if you were to die right now, if you can't give me, if I come to every one of you face to face, if you were to die right now and you couldn't tell me where you're going to go, you got a spiritual struggle going on in your life. And you got to settle it. You got to straighten it out. I promise you next week, I've never preached two messages on the introduction before. But I promise you next week I'm going to give you four or five good reasons how you'll know for without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. If you're struggling, be here. If you're not, it'll help you with somebody else. All in the Bible. I invited a man yesterday to a, a session and he looked at me and said, Preacher, I want to come to Solid Rock and bring my family. I said, You're welcome. You've always been welcome. He began to share with me a little heartaches of some things that were going on with him and where he went to church. And by the way, everybody has those. Then he said, you know why I really want to go to church? You, you want to know really why I want to get in church? I said, why? He said, because I want my kids to be in church. Now, if that's the best you can do, and I didn't jump on him and I loved him, but that ain't the reason that you need to be in church. It's admirable that you're concerned about your kids. I like that. But your kids aren't going to get their act straight if they see your act straight first. They're going to follow in your footsteps. Whatever you're doing now, they're going to do twice as bad. You didn't want to hear that, did you? Whatever mess you got going on, whatever side shows you got going on in your life, if your kids grow up, they could duplicate that and never know what you're doing right now. Want to know why? Because you got somebody called principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places going on. They know where you've opened the door of, of, of the entrance of the enemy in your home, and he attacks the kids. He ain't going to fool you. He's already got you. He's going to go after the kids. He's going to attack the young, the offspring. And they're helpless. And if they don't see dad or mom setting forth any kind of model or grandpa or grandma setting forth any kind of, of, of counterattack, the enemy is going to get them. Buddy, he'll go after them a lot harder than he ever gone after you because they're younger. They're dumber. With your head bowed and your eye closed.